Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we help small businesses become big businesses. If you are following the conversation on Twitter, be sure to use the hashtag pound MTFW. And if you'd like to call in, you can call in at 805-285-9865. So let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine Ball, and I'm joined this morning with Allison Carter. What is up, everyone? Also hanging out with us this morning, um, Peter is uh, on Twitter. Good morning, yes. Peter. And and you have to be, go easy on on uh, Peter today if there are typos. Our actual Internet service is down here at Roundpeg, but ever the resourceful company, we are doing this with 3G wireless off iPads and iPhones. Um, but the typing is a little bit smaller on the phone. It's <laughs> And also sitting in this morning is our new intern, Drew. Good morning, Drew. Good morning. Okay, this morning we're going to be talking about our small business social media survey. And as many of you have, uh, probably remember, we did the survey um, between ja early January and the middle of March, trying to find out what was different this year with small businesses in social media. Allison, as you were looking at the data, what were some of the things that surprised you in this year's study? Well, I think that it's surprising just how much things are still changing. I mean, we're, let's see, Facebook started around, what, 05, Twitter started around 08. You would think that with social media having kind of matured over the past seven, four, what, however many years you want to measure it by, that things would have stabilized. But we're really not seeing that. Things are in just as much of a state of upheaval as they ever were. I, I agree. I think there's um, there's kind of this horse race among the big three um, where, you know, they're kind of jockeying for position, but the secondary, the, the ranks, it, it's sort of like the Indy 500. <laughs> you know, you have... You have the three cars up front, but there's a lot of action in the middle. And you're waiting to see who puts it in the wall. And you're waiting to see who puts it in the wall. <laughs> and there are a couple of, I think, I think this year, um, I, I think there are definitely a few that we're burying. Um, but some of the up-and-comers. Let's, let's talk about um, a little bit of what the survey was showing on, on some of the, the middle ground. Well, just to tell you a little bit about our methodology with this survey, what we did was we reached out to small businesses. Could have been employees, could have been uh, the business owners themselves. So we had, had both represented in the survey. This was entirely marketed via online channels, including via Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, email. We also had posts on our, um, on our website, on the Marketing Tech blog. TKO Graphics was kind enough to host a guest blog. Kylie, did we do a guest blog on him? Uh, I don't think we had a I don't think we had year, a link yeah. on his this year, but I mean I think there was pretty wide distribution. Mm -hmm. um, we did distribute um, links through our email newsletter. Mm -hmm. We also sent a series of email invitations through the LinkedIn message platform. So we wound up with 464 respondents. Is that right? We had 464 respondents. Um, about 75% of them were. Um, business owners. Mm -hmm. So the other 25% were um, employees. And this year we, we changed the company size breakdown a little bit because we had more respondents. And we actually divided, we looked at one-person operations, group 
companies with two to ten employees, eleven to fifty, and then uh, we did have a group fifty and higher, but it was such a small group that we really uh, kind of merged the two larger groups because they weren't statistically significant on their own. Okay, so now that you kind of have some of the background on the survey, let's talk about what it was that we did find. Um, far and away, when it comes to using social media, either either for personal use or for business use, because we did ask about both, um, the big three, which are Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, are, are, are many, many car lengths to keep up with our 500 analogy ahead of the rest of the competition. We, uh, it's important to remember that when, this, when we took this study was just around the time that Pinterest was kind of exploding. Uh, for those of you who, of course, remember that visual-based social network, you'll know that it really skyrocketed to prominence right around the end of 2011. So when we took this survey in the first quarter of 2012, we still didn't really see that bounce that I would have expected to see if we took the survey today. And you've got the numbers up in front of you. What were our what were our answers on on Pinterest use? Um, on Pinterest, it was really um, really, really small. Um, it was probably four or five percent. It, it it wasn't enough to really um, make an impact. But that was because really March uh, with a survey ending in March. If you remember, Pinterest was you know, went from like 5 million to 8 million to about 16 million. They didn't really hit that 16 million user level until probably April, which was past um, the launch of the study. The other thing that I think will keep Pinterest low on the radar for our survey is the fact that it is disproportionately right now women mm -hmm. And not and, and not necessarily heavy on business use. It is really um, social. But, but interestingly, the network that has had time to mature since our last survey was Google Plus, which was rolled out, I believe, June one of 2011, somewhere it, around. It was there. either June or July. June or July. Of, and, and last year, um, actually, it was July one, and we closed the survey deliberately. I was going to keep the survey rolling a little longer last year, but. They launched Google Plus, and I didn't want it sort of distorting the figures because it was too new. So we um, we closed the survey. I expected to see it have, and, and Allison's laughing at me because I have all along I've been saying, oh, Google Plus is going to be great, it's going to be great. Yeah, not a ripple. Um, Google Plus is an SEO tool, not a social network. It, it, yeah, and and clearly in this survey, that's the feedback that we got. It's it's hardly a blip on the radio, uh, on, on the radar. You you literally can't even see the bar for Google Plus on the graph. Yeah, um, I'm sitting about five feet away from the computer screen. I cannot see the bar for Google Plus. It at least this year, it is not yet a uh, it, it's not yet a factor. One of the things that we did differently this year, though, is we broke the survey up by industry. And the only industries that said they were doing anything on Google Plus, I mean, and this was probably two and five percent. So we're not talking um, huge uh, interest. The, the the one that surprised me was the uh, kind of retail based retail restaurant and and real estate agents. Um, I kind of clustered those together because none of those groups were really large enough, but these were all sort of consumer products. Um, 
about 9% of the participants in that industry said that they were using Google Plus as their primary, and we had about 3% of the design marketing coaching which is who we would expect to see there based on the demographics we're getting out of Google. It tends to be a overwhelmingly male, kind of the, um, I believe it would be the yang to Pinterest <laughs> yin there. Um, we expect to see more tech-oriented, more marketing kinds of folks on Google+. Plus. So that was really confirming a lot of the other data out there. And um, interestingly, when you look at the split, um, uh, I expected wholesale distribution manufacturing companies to say that LinkedIn was their primary, and 93% of those companies um, clearly said that. Um, we also saw very, very high use among design and consulting and coaches, and um, IT software and staffing companies also, again, in 80% of those companies said LinkedIn was their primary. Some of the surprises, though, um, on those that use Facebook for primary. Allison, if you weren't looking at the data, what kind of companies would you think would say, oh, Facebook is my primary business? Well, I would assume it's more of those consumer-focused industries, like the restaurants and the retail, and um, maybe not real estate quite as much, but certainly restaurants and retail, anything that's super B2C. And that's honestly what I would have expected, so there were some surprises for me. Um, the uh, construction home repair category I expected, because that's a lot of our HVAC and plumbing companies, and that makes sense. Um, but I was surprised that really the, the retail group um, was actually a little lower on Facebook and a little higher, um, like 38% Facebook and 45% LinkedIn. That one really surprised me. Well, I suppose it all depends on what your goals are for using social media. Maybe their goals aren't to reach the customer at all. Maybe they're interacting with suppliers. Maybe they're looking for new merchandise. Maybe they are looking for new employees or new consultants to work with or any number of other things. We have to remember that it's not just all about this outbound, one-way, get to the customer, post funny pictures of cats, post coupons those things that we think of, of being traditional marketing on social media, that sometimes it's about building strategic partnerships, about reaching out to people one-on-one, -on -one, in which LinkedIn is, much, is a much better business tool than Facebook is. Absolutely, and I would agree with that, um, except, and this is where um, it, the data gets a little quirky, in terms of what do you do on social media? You know, and, and you threw out a lot of different things that companies could be doing with social media, but at least right now, the number one thing, why are you on social media? 83% um, of companies are saying brand awareness, client contact, finding clients, demonstrating expertise. All of those are top of the, uh, top of the line. Well, you know, in honor of the TV show House, which just ended, I have to say, everybody lies. <laughs> Whether they intend to or not, they can sometimes not even really be honest with themselves and not really understand what their goals are. So maybe they say, and the number one thing that people said they were doing with social media was brand awareness, with a whopping 83% of people saying, this is something I try to do with social media. Yet, LinkedIn, which was the most popular business network, is lousy for brand awareness. 
it's got it's got company pages, but they're kind of nebulous and underutilized, and that's not really where the power of LinkedIn lies. So maybe people think that's what they're doing, but when it actually comes to where they spend time and where they see results, that's not what it's about. And, and that, I think, is a really good point. And, and it's funny, you know, that you say everybody lies. Going back to my market research days, um, if you ask people what if you ask people what magazines and publications they read versus subscription rates, oh, yeah. um, uh, nobody uh, nobody reads the National Enquirer. Nobody, <laughs> nobody reads the National Enquirer. They read National Geographic. They read National Ge well, and the Wall Street Journal. Um, but clearly, somebody is reading it because there's an army of people, mostly retired New Yorkers, making up stuff in, 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 a, in a building down in Florida. So somebody is reading it. So I, I think you're right. I think people um, do things and either don't realize that that's what they're doing, or they're making stuff. I mean, or they um, they're adjusting um, their ratio. And you need to adjust your. And of course, you have to look at that whenever you're interpreting any survey data that people are. And you know, brand awareness is such a buzzword right now, and it means absolutely jack squat in social media. Uh, but it's it's a fluffy buzzword, and people love to throw that one around. So I'm not surprised that that's the one they picked. Plus, you can't measure it, so you know it's an easy thing to say that you're doing. Oh, I'm building brand awareness. How? What have you seen from it? Okay, Drew, and I know I've had you read this a couple of times, and and sort of Alice and I, I think, are a little jaded when we look at the data. No. Well, <laughs> what was the thing that surprised you or interested you as you were reading the survey? Yeah, so you have like the big three, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. But what really surprised me is how little, uh, I guess, traction anybody else gains. I mean, Google's been out for like a year now. And with as, many, as much money as Google has and how successful they've been with everything else, there really hasn't, I would have expected more. And also with Pinterest, I mean, that's really kind of exploded. But I'd be surprised see the results next year in two years and just see how much it can grow because for me as a male, um, I really have no interest in that. And so, like, I mean, I, I don't know. If, I think there might be a ceiling on that, but it might not get much higher at one point. You know, that it's an interest, and, and that I think is an interesting perspective, both of those. One, um, Google has had two other, two? Buzz and the wave. Buzz and wave, and I'm sure there's some other random crap we're forgetting. Yeah, Google has failed twice before on social networks, so I think you know that um, is, is true. The, the, your point on Pinterest, though, um, nobody looked at Twitter, which had been primarily male in the early days, and said there's a ceiling. I think when it comes to tech, anything that men embrace, people assume it, you know that that's going to be successful. They, people still don't think sometimes of women as being tech savvy and, and, and as being in, in I mean, tech. My mom's on Pinterest. <laughs> and before that, I mean, she has no interest in you know even Facebook, which I mean everybody's on now. Mm -hmm. Well, Drew, did you know that actually in England, uh, Pinterest is sixty percent men? Oh, really? So actually, this is very much an American phenomenon. This this uh, female skewing demographic, and I think that. And I'm not picking on you. This is this is a larger <laughs> this is a larger trend that we're seeing. There is this disdain in the tech community for any female-dominated networks. I've seen articles on TechCrunch and everywhere saying, you know, oh, I don't think Pinterest is ready for prime time because that's just where women are. Mm -hmm. It's just about wedding cakes and it's just about anthropology dresses and it's just about how to how to make bouquets of flowers and all this crap. 
And that's exactly what it is. This is crap. Mm-hmm. Women buy things. <laughs> Women make purchasing decisions. If you are in an industry that involves people buying things, Pinterest <laughs> makes sense. Women have wallets. Yeah, and and um, it's interesting because um, that was sort of a learning curve when I was in the HVAC industry, getting my contractors to understand that um, the couple the couple might be sitting across the table from you, but if you ignore the woman, you don't close the sale. The man might sign the check, but the woman is usually calling the shots, and research bears this out time and time again. Well, and um, the the thing that in in it traditional household, and this is changing a little bit, but in traditional households, what typically happens is um, an appliance breaks, there's some type of repair required, um, the wife will make appointments with two or three contractors, the couple will meet with the contractors together, um, and then the contractors leave, and the, the one sentence that most contractors don't realize will tank their sale is if they have ignored the woman, all she has to do is turn to her husband and say, you know, I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Does not matter what his price is. He could be half the price of his competitors. No one. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, and I know this is going to sound sexist. I don't know any man who's going to in, who's going to then say we're doing business with that company. So I mean, I, th- I think it, I think I think it bears to the point that especially if you want to present new products to women and it is a visual business. Um, there's uh, there's something to be said there. But I will say I think men are going to catch up on Pinterest because we've got all these copycats and gentlemen and all this other nonsense out there. We don't need to segregate men and women. We don't need to make a pink ghetto. Let's just get on with it, accept that boys and girls can play nicely together and deal with it. Well, and I think that what's part of this is interesting with Pinterest is I think it's the least social. I mean, when I follow or um, select an image to repent, it's totally based on the image itself. It's not based on um, the uh, uh, who's putting it up there. So let's dive back in. Let's, uh, we kind of went down the primrose path there a little bit. We actually have chatted for quite a while, and I'm going to jump over. Um, what I'm going to tell you on the social media survey is if you would like to know more about um, the results of our study, um, drop by our blog. Uh, you can you can uh, check out today's uh, podcast. At the bottom, there is a link to sign up for a copy of the white paper. We're putting the finishing touches on the paper. Jenna is designing the cover as we speak. Um, we should have the paper ready for publication no later than next Wednesday. So um, if you'd like a copy, send us a tweet. Um, Sign up and, and give us your email address. We will mail it, uh, email you a copy when it's, when it's published. And if you'd like to follow the results, um, we're going to be publishing little segments and blog posts over the next couple of weeks. But now it's time to switch gears. Um, we had an opportunity to talk to Stephen Shattuck earlier this week about another one of his half-baked marketing ideas. And so I'm going to... Uh, play that for you now. Stephen, this morning, do you have another half-baked idea for us? I want to talk about how to save the Best Buy chain. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm not sure we should save the Best Buy chain. Okay, but let's, let's pretend that we do indeed want to save Best Buy. Okay, so we like Best Buy. So Best 
right? So people are buying things online. They don't want to drive to a big box store where the staff is not helpful, where there's just a ton of options and they're overwhelmed. And, and even, and probably most importantly, the prices are higher than they are online. You know that, I mean, you pretty much, I think, hit the nail on the head. We're talking about inferior service, higher yep. prices, and less convenience. I know I would sign up for that every day of the week. Yeah, oh, totally. It's just ridiculous. So, what's, so what's the problem? So, Amazon offers, it's very convenient. You can, you can research and buy online and never have to go anywhere. But the one thing that Best Buy has going for it is the fact that you can go to the store and see the product and touch and feel it. And that's something that Amazon can't really offer. So the product is sort of, you know, sight unseen, it comes to you, and hopefully you, it works out okay. So how can Best Buy capitalize on sort of that concept? Now, a lot of the research I've seen is that there are too many choices at Best Buy, so they need to drastically scale down their inventory, which would help scale down their overhead. So, smaller stores, right? So just sort of these boutique stores that are, you know, sort of stuck in other commerce centers like a mall where there's only a few choices because studies show that people are overwhelmed by choice, but if the inventory is smaller, people are more likely to buy, which I think is pretty interesting. I, um, I've seen a lot of the same research, and, I, and it, it seems counterintuitive, but I, right. think, um, I, I think it's not just scaling down the inventory. I think part of the trick is going to be um, shifting the perception of Best Buy as sort of your filter or your expert. Yeah, there are 150 cameras out there. We carry 25 of the best. Yep. We do the research. So I think the marketing message is we do the research for you. Yep. So, so Best Buy should go on Amazon, find those products that are the best reviews, and only stock those. So right now, Best Buy is Amazon's showroom, but mm -hmm. Amazon could be Best Buy's like, market research. So just turn the table. That's how you see them. You know what, I, I think there's something to be said to that. I, I think, um, I also think that changing their hiring. I mean, if you want to, if you want to position yourself as the expert, part of, part of it is, is reading the reviews, um, but I think part of it might be um, hiring the audio file. I mean, the, the, the real audio guys. But how does that affect price? One of the issues to begin with is that the price in the stores is higher the price online. Hiring better people costs more. And I, I, I think that, I think there are two communities. I don't, I mean, I think the problem is Best Buy is trying to compete on price when they no longer have a price advantage. So instead of, I mean, there, there's a triangle. It's, it's, it's price, innovation, and service. And you can, no one business can deliver all three. And so if you, the closer you move to price, the more you have to abandon those other things. If Best Buy instead moved towards innovation and service, people who really cared about the cameras, who didn't want to do the research. Um, so I think that's the difference between Andy and I. My husband will spend five hours online. I love that. To buy a toothpick. Yeah, it's weird. My yeah. dad does that too. Yeah, I would buy an entire car or a house, you know, with a five minutes. Yeah, that's pretty I like it next to a lot. So, for me, I would pay a premium 
if somebody would really talk to me about the difference between the three cameras and would say, well, you know, if this is the kind of picture or that, kind of, I mean, I think that, that, that would change how I feel about it. So it sounds like we're looking at a lot of streamlining. I believe that's why it's actually moving more to this boutique store concept you talked about. So what else do you have? How else do we need to say is best buy? Okay, so what if they didn't stock hard copy merchandise? They only stock digital merchandise. So you can go to a Best Buy and buy your digital music in person, buy your digital movies, and buy all your digital media basically instead of buying it online because there's this sort of low-tech community that maybe wants to get in on that action but doesn't know how to do it online, doesn't know how to like master the technology, maybe the older crowd a little bit, more like a rural crowd. They have, now they have a physical place where it's more secure and they feel more comfortable to do those sort of digital merchandising type things. So like they would download your iTunes to a jump drive? Is that is that kind of what you're thinking instead of selling you a CD? Or bring in, you bring in your iPod and you buy your music and they put it on your iPod there. Oh. Okay, so, so what you do is you're creating what I'm going to call a senior service center.
sector of the population and how large that will value the service. Um, there is today, uh, they're going to go bankrupt if they don't do something, and if this gives them 10 years to figure something else out, I think it might be possible. Once again, Stephen Shattuck has given us a great conversation and some wonderful things to think about. Um, any, any closing thoughts on either Saving Best Buy or social media, guys? Hush falls over the crowd. I hope someone else will say something brilliant in the last 90 seconds of today's podcast. If you have enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to know more about marketing, social media, networking, web design, or any of the other topics that we talk about, be sure to drop by our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. If you'd like a copy of our survey, you can pick it up at the same location. And as always, uh, be sure to join us next week for another episode. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>